0: Hello and welcome to the Energy Talk podcast. My name is Olubumi Olajide and thank you so much for joining us on another episode of our Campfire series. This is episode five and today we're speaking with a very interesting group of people who met each other while doing their master's degree in the UK. Initially, their project was to build an energy literacy program to integrate into school curriculums in a specific uh, area in Nepal. So we're going to be hearing about how they started this idea, why they chose this energy literacy project how it's adapted and obviously how it's been affected by the covid outbreak so we're going to be hearing a lot of things just how a project can kind of shift on you in different ways in ways you didn't expect and how you can go from thinking about education to think about social issues as well so i'm really excited to get into this and let's start with introductions and learn about exactly what their project is
1: Yeah, I'll just start with that. Um, I'm Joshua. I'm currently based in Germany. And I studied in industrial engineering and management in, at the Technical University in Berlin um, before going to Durham for my master's in new and Renewable Energy. That's also where I met Kushal. Uh, we studied along there. And then after finishing my master's um, in October last year, I went to Nepal to work uh, for a solar company. So we worked in uh, doing solar projects um, for irrigation and electrification in rural areas in Nepal. And that's where I uh, met, promote as well, and where we got together for the project for the first time. And since then, it's going on. But now also, um, because of the current situation with the virus, I moved back to Germany
2: and started my PhD here now in the south of Germany. Um, So yeah, uh, so my name is Kushal Gautam and uh, I'm based in Kathmandu. So I was born and raised here. And uh, yeah, so last year um, I was in the UK uh, pursuing my masters um, and yeah, like Joshua said, and I came back here and then, uh, well, basically there there was a lot of options. I was trying to figure out what I wanna do next. And one of them was, uh, so last year I attended this student energy summit in London. And as a spin-off, I think they had this energy program, a student energy program that I was really interested in. So when I came back here, um, I discussed with Pramod and Joshua whether we want to pursue that and like, we all were excited about this. And yeah, so, um, and besides that, uh, besides this program, I also manage a consulting firm. It's a very uh, recent consulting firm. Um, my specialization is in solar uh, technologies. So I've worked in uh, off-grid technologies, on-grid technologies, mostly in the technical side. So right now, I'm basically looking into kind of broadening my horizon.
3: Hi, I'm Pramod Rizal, and I have been working as a researcher at Institute for Integrated Development Studies. And last year, I also went to UK for uh, doing my master's in economic policy analysis. And after returning from the UK, then uh, we talked with each other, with Joshua and Kushal, and to uh, to do, to engage in this kind of projects and and in my graduate level study also I have uh, done a research related to of uh, uh, to energy in Nepal uh, we have the uh, hydropower sector is one uh, which contributes a lot in the, in in, in, uh, in energy sector and I have also done thesis in in that topic and. And and currently, uh, I'm involved in a few projects uh, related to economy and energy. Thank you.
1: So, yeah, our project is in the field of energy literacy, and we are currently working on um, um, building a curriculum for the topic of renewable energy as an extension of the national curriculum in Nepal. And this is basically focusing on primary school education and then some more solution-based the based approaches for um, secondary education as well.
2: Right. Um, so basically, the motivation for this project was that we uh, we thought that currently, as it is now, there is there there is some coverage of renewable energy systems in this school curriculum. For so we're basically focused in years from one to eight. So. Um, just kind kind of going through what they're uh, what's covered now it's very basic. They introduced the renewable energy technologies they show how it works, but what we thought that we could bring in and the gap that we saw was that now that climate change is such a hot topic, and renewable energy is a part of that sphere where we are interested in. We thought that okay, if we can integrate a higher level of knowledge and renewable technology than what it is right now in the curriculum. That means basically showing uh, the pathway um, ahead. uh, What are the challenges in the local and global context? uh, Where are we now? What needs to change? So all these things uh, are missing in the current curriculum. So we thought that we could kind of bring that into um, integration with the current uh, revision that is going on with uh, the curriculum and the textbooks that are currently in practice? Uh, well, yes, it's focused in Nepal, but specifically uh, one place. So it's in South Lalitpur, which is south of Kathmandu, just adjacent to Kathmandu. Um, so it's just focused there right now because that's the pilot site. So we're not going nationwide right now, okay. where um, I think we can, I, I'll tell, tell you more about the project as we progress further, uh, but yeah, just in general, we're just focusing in one area right now. We're working with a locally based NGO, um, which is called Center for Rural Technologies, and they have a gender and social inclusive um, program under the. Um, so that's the implementing program of this renewable energy curriculum. So initially, when we s- submitted our application for uh, student energy, we thought that okay, we were, we were quite ambitious. I I should be honest. So <laughs> we were ambitious, and we thought okay, we're gonna. We're going to kind of break the, uh, uh, you know, bring something profound into this renewable energy curriculum uh, nationally, which uh, didn't happen, and which was quite ambitious for this eight-month project. But basically, then we decided that, okay, we'll go with uh, Center for Rural Technology that is already in that space, uh, that's already working with renewable energy uh, textbooks and the Teachers Association. Um, So we're supporting them. And before covid 19 we uh, basically submitted a feedback based on their pilot projects so that is they had already prepared a uh, textbooks and course for years 1 to 5 they have they had implemented that in a school in south lalitpur and uh, we collected feedback from the teachers uh, for after one year and then, based on that feedback, we again uh, put our, we basically consolidated our feedback and the teachers' feedback into one report, and then uh, we submitted that to Center for Rural Technologies. So that's where we were right before the lockdown. So after the lockdown, it's it's kind of hit the um, yeah we, we've hit a barrier right now. We need uh, we need to sit down and discuss and kind of finalize that process. Um, yeah, so that's where we were before. Yeah, I would say that's definitely the case. So awareness is
1: quite broad in terms of climate change and um, also the call for regulations and stuff. But then the basic uh, knowledge about the energy systems is not um, it's not there yet. And um, I, I would say if you start teaching that as an early age, like within the um, studies of basic physics and stuff, you, you get a better understanding of the whole topic. And then maybe also develop solutions more quickly.
2: Right. So, um, so right now we've, we're basically waiting for, um, the lockdown to be uh, more relaxed so that basically all the teachers group and the NGO partner and us, we can kind of meet together in one room and discuss the changes. So it's, it's been really tough to kind of coordinate remotely because some of the teachers are in remote locations with, uh, uh, well little to no well, internet connection so because of that even though some of us are connected uh, we can't kind of get everybody in, in one uh, in one place to discuss that so uh, but we decided that so for two months it was a halt and then after that we decided that okay we'll move together and then we'll kind of start working on the curriculum development for next phase so that would be uh, for years six to eight so we're kind of drafting the curriculum right now. We're we just kind of putting things together with what we have right now. Um, yeah, and then once everything's relaxed, we'll get back together. And then we'll, the, there are two things, basically two things to complete. First is to confirm that, uh, to, to discuss on the feedback that we provided before and kind of close that down so that the can we can go to reprint. And the next step is to kind of plan exactly uh, how this curriculum is to be developed. So right now we're going independent with what we know so that we have something while we go there in the next, uh, next phase. But yeah, we will have to see how it goes.
0: Now that we've heard from Pramod Kishal and Robin about what their project is, uh, it's very difficult to consider the conversation without addressing the giant elephant in the room, which is the fact that their program is aimed towards people in schools and uh, in early years of their schooling and education, and with the lockdown, people can't go to schools anymore, and that obviously is something we have to address. As, uh, As many of you may know, a country like Nepal is a developing country, and not everybody might have... Uh, the same access to steady internet or even steady electricity for that matter so that presents like a huge challenge and i just used the opportunity to ask uh, the team what they thought about this conversation and how this lockdown has affected that their pro- their program and more broadly i asked them how this is affecting in terms of inequality and what they see and just ask for their own personal experiences from uh, everything that's going on. So we're going to be hearing from them as well. And I think this is going to be a very interesting exchange that's going to happen in the next uh, few minutes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Same, same here in Nepal as well. Um, most of the schools uh, do not have access to the, uh, to the internet and only the high end schools and the uh, schools where uh, the kids of rich people are studying, they have access to internet, uh, reliable internet, I, I would say. And, and, they have also developed this kind of online platform to teach their students. But uh, in the meantime, the Ministry of Education um, brought a sh- circular or uh, notice that uh, the, the Ministry of Energy said that, uh, say, uh, said that not to teach in online platform. Because what happened is uh, when the private school started to teach through online platform, they are also collecting the fee as well. And, and and some of the schools um, uh, are collecting fees without uh, going in the online platform as well and in this way and and some of the worldly schools some of the good schools who have which has reliable internet and and we, we have developed the online platform also could not teach through the uh, through the online
2: yeah um well, yeah, we, we didn't really info, foresee this, but I think one of the motivation, uh, our motivation for doing this kind of aligns with the situation now. Uh, because, li- like I said, like the whole world, the energy scenario is transforming. And especially um, in South Asia, it will go through a major transformation. And Nepal now uh, is going from centralized to decentralized systems, a lot of off-grid technologies, uh, grid expansion. Uh, Nepal government has big plans, really. So uh, basically Nepal government plans to add another 5,000 megawatt in the next five years, right? So to, to integrate to, with, with those big plans, we need the current youth and the students in school to kind of catch up to that vision. So, um, I think that's where our primary motivation lies and coming back to climate change. Uh, we, we talk about climate change and every, everybody loves talking about it. It's, it's a very interesting debate and you can go hours with that discussion, but when it comes to implementing that in your life, it's a, it's a challenge because you have to give up some convenience for, uh, probably the greater good. Right. So, um, Integrating all of that into school schooling and we can we can't do everything, but we can actually with our uh, knowledge in renewable energy uh, That's where, think, where we think we can contribute. So in Nepal uh, Later on like you said like there are a lot of places that still don't have electricity We still stand at around eight eighty percent electrification uh, We plan to reach 99 percent electrification by 2030, but again when I say electrification There's a question about uh, the reliability of the grid in many places. So uh, to reach there, we need greater awareness in students right now so that when they grow up, they think of these problems and whatever sector they grow in, go in, uh, they are aware of their energy usage, uh, that they are conscious about what they're doing, they are conscious about the environment and it becomes a default way of thinking rather than uh, constantly being reminded about what's, what's a good thing to do
0: yeah I agree, and something I've found with the conversations I've had is um so let me just give a bit of my background i I studied petroleum engineering and I didn't know anything about energy policy or about climate change can oh, come you, on you you can't join
2: is, this you can join this call
0: <laughs> and none of my none of my professors and none of my lecturers even mentioned the thing about climate change and this was, this was four years through my studying, and it's after I got out, and after I started this podcast, I started learning about, oh, uh, energy policy is a thing. It's not just about engineering projects, and uh, there's renewable energy, and, oh, there's climate change, and, oh, it's actually quite a big deal. And, you know, all these things are kind of like new information to me. And one thing that I've realized is, in the conversation about climate change and renewable energy, something that always gets highlighted is the level of inequality that it just you're forced to look at. It's, it's almost like you can't you can't ignore it if you're working in the remote sector you're forced to look at people that don't have electricity access. you see the people that their families don't have a lot of income and they're in very rural areas and the governments have almost like left them alone and these things have come some things that you can't really ignore and since you guys have spent so much time working in the sector, is this something that you guys have also seen because you guys have way more uh years working in this and seeing this than I have so is this something that kind of like you've seen and motivates what you guys do.
2: Right. Um, About inequalities, um, I I think Joshua can provide a a different perspective from Mm -hmm. ours because uh, my focus has been in the rural areas. So uh, inequality in rural areas from energy systems? uh, Yes. So uh, one thing that's still a barrier uh, about taking energy systems, especially, uh, say, in areas that don't have grid electricity, uh, the options are solar energy, uh, for Nepal at least, because we have good resource of solar energy. Uh, but still, a barrier of solar energy is that the upfront cost is huge, right? And then uh, that, that that's, I think, the biggest barrier. Uh, so still there are programs that are implemented through donor agencies by subsidies. So a lot of systems are highly subsidized, and they uh, are implemented in different phases through donor agencies. Uh In a way, that's good. There's a good and bad to that side. Uh, The good side is that, okay, people who previously didn't have electricity have electricity right now. Uh, But you think about, okay, the sustainability of the projects. And by sustainability, um, it's such a big word, but what I mean by sustainability in this sense is that tomorrow, uh, because you're providing systems for free or at a very low cost, uh, tomorrow, there is no business environment in that area for solar, right? So people will always be expecting uh, a free energy system. And in that sense, uh, always the people who who rank high within that community, uh, and especially in Nepal, we have different caste systems, and it's usually when the program gets implemented, the people within the community who fall on the higher side, on the higher uh, class level, are the ones that benefit first. And then the technology kind of trickles down to the marginalized uh, groups, right? So there is inequality. Uh, if, if, if they were to buy systems themselves, then renewable energy technologies, especially solar, is still expensive upfront. So uh, there, there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of areas that are being explored about access to finance, uh, a different uh, mechanism for subsidy mobilization. Uh, so there's a lot of. Op- so basically right now you'll hear that there has to be an innovative business model. Uh, I think the world is transitioning from straight of subsidy to some innovative business model where they can uh, maintain a certain business environment within the areas that they're working on. So And that will reduce inequality and uh, people who are actually in need will actually be able to access um, energy systems. Yeah, maybe I
1: can... Have yeah, a little different yeah. uh, perspective on that, because um, when I grew up and also still when I studied, I always took energy access and um, the constant supply of energy being at heat or electricity as something granted, and it basically took until I studied in the u k when I came along the the term energy poverty, and there was a professor really researching in that at the at Durham and um, there's actually energy poverty is a big topic, even in first world industrialized countries, especially now within this transition um, towards a like less carbonized um, energy system. And there's even, even in countries like Germany and the UK, there's uh death related to energy poverty as people can't pay for their, for their energy, for their heat heating systems during the winter. Whereas, as a um, consequence, they get sick more often. And um, Kushal uh, said it before, renewable energy systems, mainly, mostly, not, not in all cases, but come with a higher upfront cost, costs. And therefore, um, the whole transition to more renewable energy systems um, does make um, energy a bit more expensive in our days. So we always need to see this socially, social aspect of um, transitioning our energy sector. And we always have to regard the consequences in that, in that case as well. Also in countries that are upfront
2: in transition to its renewable systems. Right. Um, so in my view, I think uh, they, it, it should be, uh, the, the industry should grow holistically. It's, it's not like one solution like that, you just promote the technology and everything's going to be fine. Uh, I think there has to, every citizen has to be aware and that's a very massive challenge when every country has their own interest in mind, right? Uh, And to utilize their resources and then export it. So, um, and when we're talking about energy system in the future, about clean energy, we're talking global, we're not just talking local. Um, So I think we need to have a global perspective and for me, at least, uh, with this project, it trickles down to education. Uh, once you, education just, just doesn't mean that you have a textbook that you're reading and you just memorize everything. It's about showing you the vision uh, of what's ahead and for you to explore. So if we can provide that vision, especially in the energy sector, uh, I think that's, that's an impact that will roll over in the coming decades and probably take us towards the transition that, uh, that we should. So, um, what I
1: would say is that people should be aware that I think in this future energy system, the focus is on the local level, and the change happens on the local level. And whereas in the old system, or probably the current system, um, mostly centralized players, um, kind of uh, having the big share, um, the the local the local authorities and the 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 citizens themselves can actually drive that change and that they should rather see it, not see it as a challenge and, and, and a change to their lives, more like a, a chance to actually take a, take a bigger role and um, get involved and uh, provide for that change in the system.
3: Uh, in my opinion, actually the awareness is the key thing. That, that's why we have also chosen this education project. And there are a lot of negative sides of the COVID-19, but during the during this time, uh, uh, there are the uh, the vehicles could not run with the dirty fuels, and the people who are living in the Kathmandu Valley, uh, they they realize the realize the importance of the uh, of the uh, renewable energy as well as the environment, as as the environment is relatively cleaner nowadays, and now a lot of people. Uh, they, uh, they start recognizing the importance of the uh, of the renewable energy also not only this during this uh, lockdown period uh, because of the clean environment uh, the the cases of uh, illness uh, have been also drastically reduced and and in this way in this way the people have realized the importance of renewable energy uh, uh, environment and all those things uh
2: yeah I'll, i would just um, add to Sport. i think he brought a very uh, interesting point at least uh, in the local context uh, so nepal uh, relies heavily in import fuels from india right and uh, so if uh, so it's crucial that if if that chain is blo- broken say and we did suffer that in 2015 in the indian blockade where um, basically all the fossil fuel uh, petroleum products were uh, blocked in the border, and then the whole con- country was in crisis, so th- this is also uh, having that awareness of renewable energy technologies and alternative uh, technologies for the replacement of petroleum powered uh, uh, mechanisms right uh, that will push us towards more independency and I think Nepal will be more reliant by uh, using the resource that it has and a cleaner energy resource yeah.
0: Thank you for joining us on another campfire episode. This was a very great conversation with Pramud Gushal and Joshua. Uh, I want to thank them all for joining me on this episode. And uh, you will notice a trend in every campfire episode, we focus on different countries. So today was Nepal. We've had Nigeria, the USA, uh, Bolivia, India in the podcast so far and this is quite intentional just to show you the listeners that um, young people around the world are working actively in the energy industry to solve problems and to be an active part of solutions and i want that to be a really uh, key point to the rest of the campfire series we're over halfway through the series and we have about two or three episodes left until we round off the campfire series and start um, with our season three episodes so it's really important that young people realize that it's never too late to start. There's always a capacity where you can apply yourself whether it's locally and especially with the internet and platforms that can give you opportunities and really boost your voice. So get involved. That's the best way to learn and the best way to find solutions where you can uniquely use your skills to apply yourself. Uh, so thank you again. If you love the podcast and you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on our rest of our other episodes or our campfire series. And for when we start season three sometime in September. Don't forget to leave us a rating or review so more people can find the podcast and I'll appreciate it if you join us again next time. Thank you so much and I hope you have a wonderful week.